Nora Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the Black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nora Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Nora Speaks podcast, and I am your host, Nora Muhammad. It's wonderful, and I'm grateful to be back with you for another week of the Nora Speaks podcast, a podcast that is created to tug on the soul and consciousness of the Black community. And right now we are in the midst of a uh, pandemic in terms of the uh, the disease of COVID-19. And the this country is also in the midst of a pandemic uh, as it pertains to the catastrophic offense uh, effects of systemic racism. And, you know, there's uh, a lot of conversation. There are a lot of uh, folks talking about uh, next steps. Um, what do we want? What are we asking for? And, you know, I, I wanted to spend some time in this episode, you know, just sharing my thoughts on um, not uh, what we should ask for in terms of um, specific um, policy changes or specific reforms. However, I, I do want to talk about um, whatever it is that the people are asking for, um, those um, uh, reforms or, or, or those changes or those initiatives should be three things. They should be actionable, they should be measurable, and they should be permanent. And you know, it, it's important that this is said, and it's important that whatever it is that we are asking for in a time like this, where we have the world's attention, not just this nation's attention, the uh, world is looking at the um, effects of systemic racism in this country and abroad and how black people in this country specifically have been uh, maintained in such a uh, subjugated, um, subjective uh, and subjected state that the atrocities that we've seen uh, or, or are known to have happened in slavery, in um, the antebellum South, many of those atrocities have not ended. They continue today. They persist today. And unfortunately, not only are these uh, horrendous acts being carried out by civilians, but they're also being carried out by state actors. And in the last episode, I, I, I discussed how there is uh, a, a discomfort to a rebellion there it's inconvenient it's it's not going to sit well with um, those who are the perpetrators of these atrocities or um, they're complicit and silent bystanders so in this episode as we're moving forward and I hope that we are moving forward and as leaders are thinking about what to put forth to government what to put forth to legislators it's important that we have a um, substantive 
conversation. It's substantive because if you are to turn on the television or the radio, you're going to see celebrities. You're going to see corporate CEOs, um, actors and athletes uh, sharing their compassion and their empathy. Um, there's going to be news reporters having heartfelt conversations. But um, a heartfelt conversation is not going to produce a relevant change. It can enlighten my neighbor. It can enlighten a coworker. Um, but we want and we should be asking for something actionable, measurable, and permanent. So when I say actionable, I'm specifically talking about something that can and will be carried into practice, um, something that can be applied, whatever uh, that is that you're asking for, make sure it's applicable. It can be applied. It's, it's not, it's not a, a, a symbolic. It's not representative of change, but it is change. It's real change. And um, it should be employable. Meaning when you're asking for something, there should be an outline, there should be steps, there should be um, action that can be taken. And, and, and I have to say this because we have been a people who have been assuaged for so long with symbolism, right? So we're talking about the buzz, we're talking about the um, removal of statues that represent uh, racism or oppression or colonialism. Uh, and, you know, that's a start. You know, f for me, I, I have to say, it is not offensive to me when uh, other people want to honor their heroes. And so a Christopher Columbus statue is not offensive to me. A, a George Washington, who, although he was the first president, he was also the, uh, a slave owner, a slaveholder. Um, a statue of George Washington isn't offensive to me. Um, a Confederate flag that for some represents the fight to maintain slavery in America. For some, it represents their heritage and, and, and you know, culture and traditions. The Confederate flag does not offend me. What I do find offensive is when one acts out on their, uh, their ideas of racial superiority or racial inferiority and it in some way um, 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 harms me, harms my family, harms my people. Um, so someone having um, um, allegiance or affection for their flag or for those who represent their heroes, you know, Christopher Columbus is, is special to Italian people. Whether or not they agree with uh, his life, his lifestyle, whether they agree or disagree with um, uh, what he did to the Native Americans, that is irrelevant to me. What is relevant are the actions, the actions that are produced from the mindset. So when we are asking uh, government officials, uh, 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 police departments, um, our mayors, what we're asking for should be actionable. It shouldn't be emotional. Um, it shouldn't um, be uh, visceral. It should be actionable. Uh, you know, symbolism doesn't give us freedom. Um, so as I said, actionable, measurable, and permanent. What do I mean by measurable? 
that means we can track it. That means whatever initiatives or reforms um, or amendments that are going to be created or whatever it is that we're asking for, we should be able to observe it. We should be able to track it. We should be able to record it so that we can determine if whatever these actionable items are, are really being carried into practice. We should see if these actionable items are having the positive effects that we want or, 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 or not the positive effects that we want. Um, how quickly are the changes that we're looking to see from these actionable items, are they um, coming quickly? Or are they coming slowly? What can we do to catalyze the change that we want? So measurable. We should be able to review evidence. We should be able to track and we should be able to observe. Um, You know, so often change comes uh, to black people like vapor. (laughs) You know, Um, there's platitudes and there's fine words and there's speeches, but nothing that's tangible, nothing that produces a result that we can witness, that we can see, that will change and can change and and, and reform and improve people's lives and people's quality of life and lifestyles, right? So we want change that is actionable. We want change that is measurable. And we want change that is permanent. So having a conversation with uh, Black people about permanent change is so important because uh, now first, you know, those who listen to this podcast, you know that my message is specifically for the black man, the black woman, the black community, because we have to have a conversation. I believe we have to have a conversation um, uh, about um, creating and producing the outcomes that we want and that we need. And we talk a lot and we've had uh, um, authors so-called scholars, professors, we've had folks who have restated the problems that black people have in North America um, um, redundantly and uh, repetitiously. And, you know, whether we are saying it with fine words, whether um, we're saying it as as a rap like Michael Eric Dyson, um, we do not need to continue having the same conversations in terms of identifying the problems. I mean, what what other books do we need, right? What we need are solutions. And, you know, so, so many people are profiting off of our people because we want to hear another speech, right? And we have um, these uh, uh, speakers or so-called leaders, wannabe leaders, they're literally having battles on Facebook or they're having debates, but they're not solving the people's problem. It's who can speak the fastest, who can um, excite the people the most with what they're saying. We don't need any more excitement. We need to calm down and we need to think logically about what's going to solve these issues, what's going to produce these outcomes. Um, And when I say produce, I'm talking about something physical. I'm not talking about going to the school board and complaining in the meeting about what's happening in the schools. If we are not at the same time going to educate our own children ourselves, right? So you can advocate for what the people need, but you can also demonstrate the solution 
that the people need. And so we have a lot more talking than we have demonstrating and doing in the black community. So that's why it's important that we have a conversation about permanent change. We've become accustomed to temporary solutions. And as I said, anything that comes to the black man and black woman is like vapor. The same conversation about reparations. Vapor, you know, if we were to be given $200,000, $300,000, right now, the way black people are with our mindset, we're going to give the money right back because we're going to be competing to get the cards. We're going to be competing to get the sneakers. We're not going to be buying land, right? We're not going to be um, getting, uh, you know, a crop of our talented Uh, academically talented children and put them in medical school or put them in law school or our children who are good with their hands. We're not going to send them to trade schools uh, so that they can learn plumbing and construction. We're going to take the money because we're an immature and superficial people. I have to say it. I love our people. So I have to tell the truth. We're going to take whatever reparations anybody would give us and we turn it right back over Toshiba, Samsung, Tesla, uh, Um, Chevy, right? Infinity, Mercedes, BMW, we will be giving the money right back. And so I disagree with the idea of reparations as our people seek it in America. We um, should understand that the basis of freedom is land. And I know that right now our people are not asking for land, although we should be asking for land, right? However, in having this conversation right now in this moment, because I know our people are not sophisticated enough. And I don't mean this as an insult. I, I, I know that this is the effects of 400 years of slavery, suffering, and death. I know that our um, ambitions to do for self has been uh, dimmed. It, it has been uh, dwarfed terribly. And that's evidence because we continue to seek access and position in this government instead of creating our own, right? We have so many people who are in so many different trades, so many different industries, have, have so much knowledge. But we uh, are, are reluctant to pool the knowledge that we have, the resources that we have, and come together collectively in unity to do something for ourselves. And so when I say our people are immature, this is what I'm talking about. Because someone in their right mind would say, whoa, I, I don't like this treatment. So I don't like the way you're treating my children in your schools. I'm going to create our own schools. Whoa, whoa, I don't like the way your people are policing me and my family and my community. So instead of you policing, we will do the policing, right? So we have a mindset where we want to go to our former slave master and continuously asking him, asking them for a piece of their pie instead of putting the ingredients of our resources, of our talents, of our skills, of our knowledge, and putting that in a pie and having our own. So as we are going to our former slave master, I want to make sure that our people are asking for the right things, right? Uh, Actionable outcomes, measurable outcomes, and permanent outcomes. So I'll give you an example of an outcome that is not permanent. Uh, So we we can start at the 13th Amendment. We could talk about the Emancipation Proclamation. We could talk about um, black people being emancipated. Um, which is a little bit different from being freed, right? Uh, Talking about the Emancipation Proclamation, where there is a clause that indicates that someone cannot be um, put into servitude slavery except 
they have been convicted of a crime. So that freedom is not a permanent freedom because there is a clause to it right there in the 13th Amendment. The 15th Amendment, which gives every citizen in this country the right to vote, right? So that's great that we had the right to vote, but here's the thing. For black people to vote, or our attempt to vote, was uh, uh, stymied through poll taxes, through literacy tests, through violence, and through intimidation. So even though we had the legal right to vote we were prevented uh, from voting by uh, the states and, and, and those who were in leadership. They did not allow us to exercise our right as is governed and given to us by the 15th Amendment. So what had to happen is Lyndon B. Johnson, one of, one of our presidents, Lyndon B. Johnson in 1965 had to sign the Voting Rights Act. Now, this didn't give us the right to vote. What it did was it gave um, the states or the federal government the ability to enforce the right to vote. To enforce the right to vote. And this was not permanent. This was only to be in place for five years. And then it was extended another five years. And then it was extended another seven years. And then Ronald Reagan extended it another 25 years years. So let's think about this. Let's think about um, black people having, quote, the right to vote, even though at the time it was given, it was not enforceable. So uh, Lyndon Baines, John President Johnson had to sign an act that would enforce our ability to exercise our right to vote. And now this is something that is voted on every 25 years. So we just had it passed again in 2000, 2006, I think, extending it, this Voting Rights Act for another 25 years, right? So what happens in, when 25 years is up? How are the people going to vote? Will they support it or won't they support it? Because it's not permanent. So when we are asking for something for ourselves, we want something actionable, measurable, and permanent, and permanent. We have to stop being satisfied with temporary things. And, you know, we're being pacified with the statutes, and that's nice. And we're being pacified with um, uh, um, cops being fired and, and police chiefs resigning because of the actions of their officers. You know, but as we are um, walking up to City Hall, as we're walking up to the Capitol building, remember, we must be sophisticated in what we're asking for. And we have to rethink some of the leaders who are in front of us doing the talking. If they're not asking for something actionable, measurable and permanent, then you get that person out of the way and put somebody else to ask for you right? We can't just be satisfied because it's a black person and they're loud. They have to know what they're talking about. They have to know the language. They have to know the culture. They have to understand the politics, right? Just because somebody has a bullhorn and a big mouth doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about or that they're the best messenger to send to speak on behalf of the people, right? So we have to be a sophisticated people. 
I mean, look, look at this opportunity that we have where everybody is listening to us right now. What are they saying? I mean, people who, who don't like to hear from black people are sitting and listening to black people because they know at this point it would be unpopular not to. So as they're listening, what are we asking for? So, um, you know, whether it's repercussions uh, for um, white civilians and their unlawful policing of black people, um, do we want some laws about that? Do we want um, uh, uh, a, a reform in curriculum in our schools that's teaching a revisionist, revisionist history? I mean, they're talking about bringing down these Christopher Columbus statues. Um, now, as I said, you know, they, th this man is important to a group of people, and that's fine. But in the textbooks, we have to make sure that the history is told in an accurate way. Otherwise, we are miseducating our children, not just our children, but all of the children. Um, are we asking for real and true fair lending practices by, um, by banks? Or, or do we want um, predatory lenders actually criminally charged? Not these, the slap on a wrist that these banks are getting opening up accounts in people's names. I mean, it's, it's, it's laughable the consequences that's happening to these banks with their predatory lending and their fraudulent banking and opening up accounts in people's names who didn't open and then charging them fees on accounts. You know, do we want real reform? Do we want um, significant consequences to um, uh, uh, cops who are killing people unlawfully? What kind of consequences do we want? We should have guarantees that if we are mistreated, then we too should expect consequences that we aren't uh, unsure of, that we don't doubt. We want permanent change, actionable, measurable, permanent change. Now, we, 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 we have to want to be more than just the first black person in the room, at the table, in the C-suite. We, we need to want, we must want to be more than the first black person. Now, to be the first is great. You got in the door, but you can't close the door behind you, right? The same opportunity that you have, we should want it for others. It, it, it shouldn't be exclusive because you want to feel important, right? So we should want to be more than just the first black. We should want more than simple apologies. We should... Uh, stop thinking that it's possible to legislate out hate. That's something else that we have an immature concept of. If, a, if people hate you because you're black, a law is not going to change that. Um, telling them that you bleed red blood too, it's not going to change that. And we are looking to change the wrong things. We, it is not our um, right or responsibility to change the hearts and minds of people. What we should be wanting change for are the consequences of the mistreatment of people and protections in place to prevent mistreatment of people but to change the hearts of people to to get someone to like you to legislate out hate right we're talking about hatred in America I honestly do not care if somebody hates me I just don't want them to put their hands on me I don't want them to impede my opportunities now for me, that's the crime, not the crime that you hate me, not the crime that you don't like me. The crime is when you impede my right to progress. That's the crime. So we can't legislate out hate. Um, we have to understand and, un and, and recognize the difference between compassionate rhetoric and real change. As I said, just because we have a heartfelt conversation 
you know, we cry together. That that's not going to produce an actionable item that's going to produce real change. That's just you and I having a conversation and maybe you having compassion and empathy. And that's great. But that's not an action item. That's a conversation. Conversations don't produce change. Policies can produce change. Um, empathy. Empathy is not reform. Um, somebody being saddened by our experiences is not reform. You know, in this country, we have deep, deep, deeply uh, set problems. And um, these problems require actionable, measurable, and permanent changes. And, you know, we have to understand and recognize that apologies have never brought us freedom, justice, and equality. And I don't care how sincere the apology is. What really is the test is when your actions are different. Not just your words, but your actions are different. So remember, those who are going to Capitol Hill, those who are going to your your local municipality, your city hall, your state building, actionable, measurable, and permanent. Ask for that and send the best person to do the asking. Remember, credible messengership means something. And if the messenger isn't credible, no matter how big that person's heart is, no matter how passionate that person is for the cause, we have to send the right person to be the spokespersons for us. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Nora Speaks podcast. Until next time, stay in peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Norris Beast Podcast. Be on the lookout for a new episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, noramohammed.com. Or if you have a listener question, email me at info at You can also follow the Norris Speaks Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Norris Speaks Podcast. I'll be sure to include links in the show notes. If this show has value to you, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with family and friends. And be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember, don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.